Welcome to the ministry of Mercy Seat Ministries and Evangelist Karen Shaxa. We believe that the message that you're about to hear will mightily change your life. Open your heart, mind, and spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. We must declare it to the next generation. Last week I was here. Next week we'll both be in Louisiana, both speaking in Louisiana. I'll be doing a women's uh, conference, and then on Sunday Pat will be speaking to the church that's having the women's conference. But I was sitting here last Sunday and during worship, and, you know, how many of you, you wake up some mornings and you're just praying in the Spirit, and you don't know why, you don't know, but it's a great feeling and everything. And so that's kind of what happened to me last Sunday, and I was sitting here during worship or standing during worship and God just kept putting some things on my heart for the summit church and for this body and I sat there and it's so funny you kind of go back and forth with God you know and you're like okay God you know are you really giving me that for the church okay if you're really giving me that for the church then you'll do this or you'll do that and you're like he has to prove something to us you know and so I was sitting there and I was like okay God if you want me to give that word to the church then you'll have Pastor Sean call on me because you know you're you subject yourself to the the priest of the house and so you know I said if he calls on me then I'll give that word well he didn't call on me so I thought okay God in your timing well so I thought I got off the hook and everything but then Tuesday morning I get a phone call from Pastor Sean and he says I believe that you have a word for the church and that I want you to speak on Sunday and I was like well okay then (laughs) you know thought I got out of it but you know not so much but um But I am excited because I'm excited about what I feel that God wants to say here this morning and everything. But I was sitting there, or I was standing there during worship, and I was, God said, look around. And so I began to look around, and God placed in my heart something. He said, Karen, I haven't changed. I'm still the same. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I haven't changed. My people have changed how they view me. I haven't changed. You see, he still has healing for today. And if you weren't here Wednesday night, you missed one of the most powerful services you could have ever been in. And you need to go on the online and listen to the podcast. We had a service uh, Wednesday night on healing. And I truly believe that there are miracles that will come out of that service. And we can't wait to hear your testimonies because I truly believe that God healed cancer. I truly believe that he healed discouragement, despair, despair, tumors. I believe he healed marriages. I believe he healed so many things Wednesday night. But I also believe that what took place in that altar Wednesday night is still here this morning. And if you came into this place this morning and you need healing, healing is here for you this morning. Because God said, I haven't changed. I never change. The way my children view me, the way my children react and respond to my presence changes all the time. But I never change. And that's, there's somebody in here that needs to hear that, that you feel that God's changed, that he doesn't care as much anymore, or that he's turned his back on you. He said, I haven't moved. I haven't left. I haven't walked away. The way you view him needs to come back into alignment with the word of God. The way I view him at times needs to come back into alignment with the word of God so that we can see that all his promises are yes and amen. Everything in the word of God is true. 
It was true back then, and it's true for our lives now. So I feel that I have to share a word straight from God's heart this morning. Is it okay that I do that this morning? Is it okay that I just get real with you this morning and just share God's word? You see, there's something powerful when God's people get to the place where they realize and they understand it isn't over. It's not over. God's not done with you yet. He's not done with this city. He's not done with this nation. It isn't over. God still has a plan. God does, God's plan doesn't get derailed because of man. You see, God has a plan for this nation. I want to share with you, in Revelation, you know, Jesus says that I have not found your deeds complete. It says, wake up, strengthen that which remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know at what time I will come to you. God says, wake up. Wake up in my presence. Wake up to my presence. Fan it into flame. Some of you walked into this place this morning and your day started out as a battle. By the time you got here, you were already worn out. Because it had been a battle just to get here. But God says, there is still a flickering flame burning inside of you. Fan it into flame. Fan it into a roaring flame. Because God says, I am not done. In other words, he's saying, it ain't over. It's not over until I say it's over. You see, all of creation is groaning right now. If you've watched the news, which I get to a point where I don't even want to watch the news, but then I want to stay informed, you know, and so I live with a history and buff and a, you know, a political maniac in my home. Pastor Pat is like so into politics and everything. And so I watch the news a lot. And so I've grown to really love it and really love what's going, watching what's going on in the world. But we watch as there's earthquakes and there's tsunamis and there's tornadoes, economic collapse, the problems with the Middle East, elections, mortgage crisis, you know, deflated dollars, sickness, fear. All of those things can get you discouraged and cause you to start doubting. But I have come to declare to you, it ain't over. It's not over. You see, people say to us, well, where is your God in all of this? What has your God got to say about all of this? You see, there's a push in our nation to make God obsolete, and it's working in our nation. Because, you see, I have listened to the media and to the pundits and everything as they spread terror and even falsehoods about my God. Because I sit and I get angry. Pat has to turn it sometimes because I just get so angry at the things I hear. You see, because some say that there's no such thing as sin. Some say that God loves all lifestyles. Others say that God has given up on America. And some of them just straight up mock him. And I get angry as I watch it because in Proverbs 14, 34, it says, God devotion makes a country strong. But God avoidance leaves people weak. The reason our nation is weak right now is because we have begun to turn our backs on the principles of God. If we will turn our hearts and our minds and our lives back to him, God will once again make this nation strong. And see, I get so angry because they just continually try to drive it into people that God is no longer what we stand on. They try to make it look as if God is just some mascot rather than the Lord of our lives. He's just become a mascot for our our nation rather than the Lord of who we are. You see, I wonder if God gets tired of hearing all the things that he isn't. 
I wonder if he just sits back and goes, really, seriously? Do they not get it? You see, Malachi 2.17 says, you make God tired with all your talk. And you'll notice I'll use the message Bible a lot because I'm simple. I like simpleness. And it says it just straight up the way I think I would say it. (laughs) It says, how do we tire him out, you ask? By saying God loves sinners and sin alike. He does love the sinner, but not sin. You see, God loves all. And also by saying judgment, God's too nice to judge. But let me tell you something. I serve a father that loves his children, and he loves them enough to discipline them back onto the right track. You see, if you don't discipline your children, then you don't love them. But I serve a loving father that wants me to live a life of victory. And so he doesn't mind discipline me on occasion to get me there. You see, this is the hour when we must rise up in power and authority and declare it to our families, to our children, to our coworkers, that it is not over yet. You see, for all those who feel that you're in the end, that you're at the end of the rope, for all those who feel that you've been forgotten or misplaced, for all of those who feel like you've been relegated to the back of the room, it ain't over You see, God has not forgotten you. He has not turned his back on you. You see, and this is not to be meant offensive, but, you know, some people say it ain't over till the fat lady sings. But, you know, I'm a lady, and I don't think I'm that fat, and I'm definitely not singing, so evidently it ain't over. You see, because God says it's not over till I say it's over. You see, we are in just the beginning I get so ticked off when I see the body of Christ act as if somewhere along the line, Jesus gave up his power to be everything I need him to be. He never relinquished that authority and that power for our lives. You see, all through history, people have thought it was over, but it's not. You see, I'm here to tell you this morning that we need God to wake us up. That we need him to wake us up to who he is, to who he is in our lives and to who he is to our nation and to our world, that it's not over. See, I want you to write this down. Number one, the awesome awakening of you. This morning, I feel if there, feel as if there is a stirring, an awakening in the spirit this morning. I have had such an urgency to tell you, to come and speak to you about God and about who he really is. You see, almost the sound of feet hitting the floor in the morning light. Almost as if you can just sense something, an urgency to get going, to get moving. I feel as though God is saying, okay, you know what, Summit Church? You know what? It's your moment to realize it's not over for you. It's not over for your circumstance. It's not over for your family. It's not over for your marriage or your children. God says, it's not over. You see, there is nothing more powerful than when God's people begin to stretch out of their slumber and wake up and bring their families back to God, to bring their their spouses, their marriages back to God, to stir into flame that which used to burn so brightly. You see, to bring yourself to a place of fresh revelation of who God is in you. Ephesians 5.1 says, Wake up from your sleep. Watch what God does. And then you do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant to us. 
He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. That's what God's calling us to do. You see, some of you came in here today weary and ready to give up. You started out your day with a battle, with a struggle. Just getting here was hard this morning. You see, but God wants your life to be free of all of those things, free of the struggles. He wants you to live a life full of joy and purpose and passion and freedom and victory. That's what God wants for you. He knows when you're weary. He's calling you to his presence. Matthew 11:28 says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? How many of you have been there? I've been burned out on religion before because you know what? God didn't call us to religion. He called us to relationship with him. You see, Come to me, he says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You see, he has heard your prayers. He has heard your groanings. He has heard your wordless prayers and deep sighs of exhaustion today. You see, those wordless groanings that say it all in the midst of your prayers, he understands. He gets it. You see, Romans 8.26 says, Meanwhile, the moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to say, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of your wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves or knows our pregnant condition and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. You see, God says, I know it all and I see all and I'm working for your good. I'm doing war. I'm doing battle in the heavenlies for what you're going through right now. Don't get impatient in the waiting. God loves you enough to do war for you. He loves you that much. You see, I don't know. I love a good triumph movie. I love movies that have happy endings. I don't like to go to a movie with, you know, sad endings or leaves you hanging. But I love the movie Soul Surfer. I don't know how many of you watched that movie. But the girl in the movie that it was about, a true story, was Bethany Hamilton. And she made this comment. She said, God did have something bigger planned for me. What we need to do is trust and believe. If I can help others find hope in God, then that is worth losing my arm for. She said because she is using something that could have sent her into despair, could have sent her spiraling into depression and hopelessness, but she wants God to receive glory for it. It means that whatever I face in this life, whatever I walk through in this life, it's not just about me. It's about those that are around me who need to see me live so that they can choose to live as well. You see, we have a an obligation to show others that what's inside of us is strong enough to keep us moving and keeping us on the right track, that there is an ultimate goal, an ultimate prize. And I don't want to stop before I get there. You see, God has a massive plan for your life. He's not asleep at the wheel. He doesn't fall asleep. You know, it's not a Carrie Underwood song who says, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't want it. See, God's got it all along. I don't want to take it from him. He is driving the car. I'm just merely a passenger along the way. Wherever he makes stops, I want to use everything he's given me to minister life to those around me. You see, he told me to come and tell you it ain't over. 
It's not over. See, Hebrews 12, 2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, too many times we fix our eyes on our circumstances and things that are going on in our lives. We have this vision that we're just blinded, and we all we see is right here. But God says, Stop saying, woe is me, and look up to the cross. Stop having vision right here and look out across the masses at the bigger picture than just what's going on in your life. You see, God says, I have an ultimate plan that involves everyone. And you're a piece of the puzzle. You're causing other people to not fit together in their plan when you refuse to fit into the spot that God has called you to fit into. You see, stop looking around and look up. Keep your head held high. And number two, when doubt screams it's over, hold on. Don't give up. See, Psalms 94, 18 and 19 says, I cried out. I'm slipping. How many of you yelled to God? I'm falling. I'm sinking. says, But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. See, there are times in all of our lives where doubt comes in and tries to take over. Well, God doesn't really love you. Well, God doesn't really care. God can't really heal you. You know what? He can heal a cold, but he can't heal cancer. You see, what? where did that distinction come in? If God heals, then he heals all of our diseases, all of our sicknesses. It's time to stand upon and declare God's word for being true, not just as a fairy tale or a fable. You see, I want all of God's promises, but I want to read to you a scripture, a passage of scripture today that just really frustrates me. I don't know if you have those scriptures that, that just frustrate you and you just don't get it sometimes. But this scripture tests my patience, and I'm not a very patient person. You can ask anyone who's really, you know, close to me. I I have issues with patience. I don't pray for patience because then God gives you situations to teach you patience, and I just, I'm not patient. And And so this scripture frustrates me, but I have learned along the life path that I've lived so far That despite my whining, despite my complaining, despite my grumbling and my, you know, all those things, God is still in control. And it doesn't change anything for me to whine and gripe and complain. See, Mark 5.21, and I believe that some of you will relate to this scripture because how many of you have ever said, okay, God, when is it my turn? When is it my turn? You see, it says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding. For 12 years, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. So many of you think it's going to be about the woman with the issue of blood. Because she came up and she touched him. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once... At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, and he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched 
my clothes. See, I have a message out there called Issues Yet I Live, and I talk about this woman and her desperation because she didn't just, the crowd was thronging him. The crowd was pushing on him. The crowd was pressing up against him, but she touched him. She pulled on his anointing. She pulled on who he was. But that's not where we're going today because all these years I've preached on this scripture, but then I realized there's another story in this scripture. There's another story, a whole other story that God wants us to hear in this story. In this passage, you see, Jesus was at the shore. He was multitasking. You see, he was ministering to the people. The crowd was a mob at this point, and they were pushing and shoving him. But this woman touched him. But suddenly there was a man of prominence there named Jairus, you see, who probably up to this point didn't even like Jesus because of what he had, the stuff he had stirred up and everything. You see, he was a religious ruler. He understood etiquette. He understood proper, being proper. But now his life was in danger or in jeopardy. His life had been changed. You see, his little sweetheart, his little girl, his little princess, his little relief from the rest of the world, his escape, that little princess was now sick. You see, on his shoulders was the weight of the world and everything important to him. You see, I know from experience having a little girl, you know, after having my son, you know, and my husband and my son roughhousing and all that, and then a little girl comes into your home, everything changes. You know, she has the ability, <laughs> just such an amazing ability to bring a grown man down to the level of being a dress-up partner, a tea party guest, and the prince at the ball all at the same time. It's amazing how I watch Pat. He'll come in, you know, he's been playing football, he's been playing basketball, running, and all of a sudden he has a crown on and he's sitting at a little tea party table (laughs) having tea with his daughter. But see, that's where Jairus was at. His little girl was in trouble. When he left the house that morning, her fever was spiking, her breathing was shallow, and her skin was pale. There wasn't much hope for her. But suddenly... He had faith. Suddenly he believed. You see, he was willing to do anything at that point to save his little girl. It's amazing to me how we can come into church sometimes as believers. And when we're in need, please, Jesus, come home with me. But when everything in our world is going great and everything's looking good, we go, okay, see you next week. See you next week, Jesus. I'll meet you back here in the same place. But when we're in trouble, please. Come home with me. Please come home. You see, he ran to Jesus. He grabs Jesus and he says, help me. Mark 5, 24 says that Jesus went with him and a large crowd followed behind him. You see, but then in the midst of him going home with Jairus, he was going because Jesus hears our call. Jesus hears our cries. And he will come home with us if we ask him to. But see, in the middle of the journey to get to Jairus' house, a woman touches him and pulls on that anointing. You see, the crowd interrupted this man's miracle. You see, he thought, it's over. We just had a little bit of time. It's over. It's all over. Jesus got, you know, got interrupted. You see, this is where it gets interesting because I believe this is where Jesus is trying to say how deep really, is your faith. How deep does your faith run? Because number three, maybe your miracle got lost in the crowd. You see, just when you think it's your turn, just when you think it's your time, 
somebody has the nerve to cut in line. You see, somebody has the nerve to actually break through and touch Jesus when you're seeking him, when you have a need, when you have a desperate moment in your life. Someone over on the other side of the room has the nerve to get touched by God. You see, sometimes we think it's all about us, but I believe Jesus was trying to show us something. Mark 5, 25 through 30 goes on to say, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. You think she's had it for 12. She can last a little bit longer. You know, she had suffered so much, but when she heard that Jesus was coming, that he was there, she thought, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. I shall be made well. You see, God didn't just heal her. He restored her. He restored everything to her. He restored her body. He put flesh back on her body. He made her whole. And see, I believe that he was trying to show the people something in that moment. Because here was a man who was desperate. And he thought, is it really that easy to get Jesus off his game? Is it really that easy to distract him and to get him off his game? To get him unfocused? He's, and I imagine this man said, I mean, come on, Jesus. I was first. I was in line first. I'm a religious leader. I have a title. I do your work every day. Surely I am more important than that woman. You see, I imagine these are the things that he says because some of you in your search, in your your desperation, you think that God has rejected your answer. But can I tell you something? Sometimes rejection is protection. Because God says, I have a better plan for you. I have a bigger plan for you. I have more healing, more deliverance, more freedom. And you're just settling for just the surface issue. But I want to heal you from the inside out. God says, I want to do something bigger than just what you see in the natural. Because this woman, I imagine Jairus was saying, this woman's cursed. I'm one of your leaders. I'm the keeper of the temple. I even have walked by this woman's house every day and declared her unclean. But why didn't he speak life over her? Why didn't he direct her to the one that could heal? You see, said so this woman was cursed, but look what happens. While this unclean woman is being healed, this nuisance, this hindrance to Jairus' miracle, didn't Jesus know Jairus' daughter was dying? Didn't he know? See, Mark 5.35 goes on to say, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. And they said, don't bother the teacher anymore. But how many of you know when there's something in your spirit that rises up and you say, I refuse to believe what I see in the natural. I refuse to believe that my marriage is dead. I refuse to believe that my children can't ever come back to God. I refuse to believe it. That God gets in there and he wants to work on your behalf. You see, but we're going to get back to this. See, I imagine they said, you know what, just it's over, give up. You see, because this lady has already stolen your miracle. But we're going to get back to that story, that powerful story in just a moment. But first I want to talk about those that realized it ain't over. Because you see, 1 Corinthians 1, 7 through 9 says, Just think, you don't need a thing, you've got it all. All God's gifts are right in front of you as you wait expectantly for our master, Jesus, to arrive on the scene for the finale. 
See, and not only that, but God himself is right alongside to keep you steady and on track until things are all wrapped up by Jesus. Because he says, I'm going to hold you while Jesus is doing war on your behalf. He says, but God who got you started in this spiritual adventure. How many of you know our walk with God is an adventure that he is taking us on, a journey? But see, as he got us into this adventure, shares with us the life of his son and our master Jesus. He will never give up on you. Never forget that. See, I love that God says, he's never given up on you. Why do you give up on him? He loves you to the very end. Why do we turn our backs when we find it a hard situation or a circumstance in our life? But you see, God says, I love you enough never to give up on you. Because you see, it's really not about those who start the race, but the ones who finish the finish line. You see, I have done a, some running in my time till I broke my foot. But, you know, it's easy to start. Anybody can start a race. But it's the ones I'm looking for are the ones that finish that finish line and go, wow, they didn't give up. They never stopped. They pressed through the wall. It got difficult, just as difficult for them as it did for the ones who quit. They just didn't quit. You see, it's not about those who, you know, who started. It's the ones who finished, those who refused to quit, those who realized against all odds, it ain't over. You see, those who kept faith regardless of the battle. You see, Many of life's failures are people who didn't realize how close they were to victory when they gave up, who weren't, didn't realize how close they were to success when they gave up. You see, can't never could do anything. You see, God says, don't tell Noah, no one ever built an ark. Okay, don't tell Moses that it was over as the burning bush set his future and marked him. Don't tell Esther it was over as she marched into the king's chamber and declared that her people would be saved. Don't tell Hosea it was over as he saw his wife Gomer walk out into the night into the streets. Don't tell Ruth it was over when she was gleaning in the very field of her kinsman redeemer. God says, don't tell David it was over when Goliath was spewing out insults to God's people. Don't tell Nehemiah it was over as he rebuilt the wall. You see, I'm talking about history makers here today. I'm talking about, do you want to be a history maker? Or just a statistic along the way. God says, I want you to make history. I want people to stand up and take notice of your life. Because you see, I'm talking about people like Christopher Columbus who said, don't tell him that there wasn't a new world. Don't tell our founding fathers that we couldn't govern ourselves. Or Abraham Lincoln that all people were not created equal. Don't tell Thomas Jefferson that he couldn't make the light bulb. And let me tell you something, don't tell Rosa Parks, honey, that you can't sit in the front of the bus. Don't tell Dr. Martin Luther King that his dream would never come true. Because God says, when I put a dream inside of you, it's coming true whether you see it now or you see it on the other side. God has a plan for you. And see, don't tell Nelson Mandela that South Africa can't be freed from apartheid because I love what he wrote. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are we not to be? And you've all heard it, but it is so powerful. You are a child of God. You're playing small does not serve the world. Your shrinking back does not do any good for your family. Your falling back and giving up doesn't do anything for your children. 
You see, there is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure about you. We are all meant to shine as children we do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. And I love this. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same because God says, I am calling you to live, not to give up, not to shrink back, not to quit. Because when you have the victory, when you walk through that finish line or run through that finish line, everybody behind you has strength to keep running until they meet the finish line. Because you see, I dare anyone to tell my husband, my hero, he is my hero. I don't dare anyone to tell him you cannot win a generation for God. And I dare any of you to tell me that it was impossible for me and my family to board a plane and to travel all the way across the world to a distant land to bring my daughter home to complete our family. You see, don't tell me that things are impossible. Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he is able to do immeasurably above anything I could ever ask or imagine. He is so much more than our little mindset that we have of him on the little cross on our jewelry. God says, I am so much more than that. You see, history is full of people who should have never or who should have quit, who should have said it's all over. Jesus being the main one. He should have given up on us. He should have given up when he saw that we turned our backs on him. But he never did. He never gave up. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 in the Message Bible says, Do you see what this means, all these pioneers who blazed the way, the great cloud of witnesses, all these veterans cheering us on? It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. And now he, and now he's here, there in the place of honor right alongside God. And I love these next few verses. When you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over that story. Again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through, that would shoot adrenaline into your souls. Because let me tell you something, God and all he's done for me through the years, and Jesus, how he saved me, how he delivered me, how he put my past behind me, that shoots adrenaline into my soul every day when I feel like I want to give up. It's not worth giving up. He's done too much for me. He's done too much for my family. You see, but you have to get to a place where you ignore all the noise around you. But let's get back to this story. Because you see, Mark 5.36 says, Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, Don't be afraid. Just believe. You see, it's time that we get our faith back today. Realize who God is. You're following the master. He hasn't become. Don't let him become your mascot. Just a symbol. He is the Lord of your life. Your miracle wasn't de- wasn't ignored. It was just delayed for the war that was going on for you. See, it may be time for your miracle, but maybe it's just not your turn. Because God wants to build your faith while you watch other people get their lives rocked and changed. 
But it's time that we change the atmosphere of the house today. See, I want to get to a place where when people walk through the doors in the back of the church, that they have such expectancy that it's not normal for God not to move in the house. It's not normal for them to not see healings and deliverances and salvations take place in the church. We act as if it's not normal to see it happen. We act as if that there's something special because God showed up. No, it should be that something's wrong if he's not. You see, I want time that we change the atmosphere. Change how we respond to his presence. Mark 5.37 says he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing. Everybody wants to cry and wail with you. But who's going to stand up and say, it ain't over? You see, he went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And I love this because he didn't even give credibility to him. He said, but they laughed at him. And after he put them out (laughs) for laughing, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. Because you see, everybody said she was dead. But Jesus said she's merely sleeping. And they laughed at him. You know you're about to get a breakthrough when everyone around you is laughing at your faith. You know God's about to do something because you have to put out the naysayers. You have to clean out what is stopping your faith. Change your circle of friends because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Let me tell you something. When I need my faith boosted, I don't hang around people who are negative and talk about what God can't do and woe is me and oh my goodness and oh my, I talk, I want to hang around with people who says, Karen, God is the same today as he was yesterday and always will be. So wake up. Strengthen that which remains. You see, he said in Mark 5, 41, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. I want you to know that there are some people in this place today who have been laying down, who you thought it was over. And I want you to know that God is saying to you, child, get up. I have called you out. You see, he said, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Because you see, God says, give the miracle something to eat. You have to feed your faith. You have to feed your faith every single day. Because in other words, God says, testify of all the goodness that I have done. If you can't remember what he did for you today, then I guarantee you, you can remember what he did yesterday, that what he did the day before, what he did when you were a little girl or a little boy. Testify and speak life to your faith. In other words, it is time to stand up and declare that it ain't over because God has a bigger plan for you. You see, he didn't forget you. He was working it all out. For those who need it, God says, I'm doing war in the heavenlies for your marriage. I'm doing war in the heavenlies for your children. I am doing war in the heavenlies for your finances, for your future, for your 401k, for your safety, for your home. You know what? We're all worried right now. And God says, worry is not for me. My children know that their father takes care of them. And God says, I am in control. It ain't over. You see, Galatians 6, 9 says, so let not, let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good because at the right time, we will harvest a good crop 
if we don't give up or quit. Because you see, God sees that some of you are ready to give up. You're dangling between destiny and circumstance. And God says, don't let go. Don't give up. Because in the end, it's going to be worth it. You see, no matter what you're walking through today, no matter what you're facing, whether your marriage is in trouble or your finances are in trouble, whether you just feel like the world is just spiraling around you, God says, I have a plan for your life. If you'll stand with me, please. You know, God has shown me over the years that his ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. They should be. I should think like him. But self and flesh get in the way so many times in our lives, and we can't see past ourselves. We can't see past our own discomfort, our own circumstances, to see the bigger picture of what God's doing in our lives realizing that this is not the end result, that it ain't over. It's not over. God says, I have so much more for you. If you'll close your eyes with me, please. Because I want to put out, I never want to leave a service without without saying, there may be those in this room who you don't know Jesus Christ as that Savior that comforter, the lover of your soul, that you don't know Jesus is that one who has a bigger picture for you than what you see. And I never want to leave a service without extending that invitation to you because God is always standing with arms wide open for you. He loves you. He is the most loving, amazing, amazing God, the only God. And he loves his children so much. And if that's you this morning and you want to know Christ as your Savior, your Lord and your Savior, he's here this morning to welcome you into the family. And if you'll just show by a raising of your hands and say, that's me. I want to know God. I want to know him as my Lord and Savior. And I just, you know... I just can't get away from it that it ain't over. It ain't over. It ain't over. It's not over. Because there's someone in this room who thinks it is. There's someone in this room who was ready to give up. There's someone in this room who says, I have tried. I have done everything in my ability and my power and my strength, and it just isn't working. And God says, well, that's your problem. You've done everything in your power, in your strength, in everything that you can do. But he says, you want to let me take a try at it? You want to turn the reins over to me now? I want everyone in this room to come up front this morning. We're going to have a time of prayer with each other. Any leaders that are in the house, I want you to kind of surface to the front of the room because I'm going to have you pray for people. So if you're a leader in this room, forerunners, any staff that's here, any staff wives that are here, if you'll come to the front, because I believe God has healing in the house today. I believe he has healing for physical needs. I am to a place in my own revelation of who God is 
that I know that God has healing for today. I know he has healing for minds, for those who are struggling with emotions, that those are struggling with physical needs, that those who are struggling with different situations, with those who may be caring for an elderly mom or dad, and that you just don't know if you can hang on any longer. For those who have children who have walked away from God. And God says, I have never given up on them. Don't you dare give up on them. You keep loving. You keep praying. You keep going and being there for them. And so I want everyone to close your eyes right now. And see, if you've been that person and you think, I see everyone around me getting their miracle. When is it my turn? If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand this morning. And I want you to say, God, I want it to be my turn today. If you're in this place and that you need healing in your body, in your physical body, if you need healing over situations, over finances, then I want you to raise your hand right now. Because let me tell you something. When I'm desperate, I don't care what anybody thinks. I want healing. I want God to intervene. When the bully comes knocking on the door, I know where my daddy lives. You see, if that's you and you have a need this morning, if there's some of you who need God to resurrect things in your life that you have counted as dead, if you need God to resurrect your marriage, if you need him to resurrect your dreams, your finances, if you need God just to resurrect the right emotions in your life, then I want you to raise your hands right now. And I want you to call on him. I want you to cry out to him. Lord, we just declare victory in this room. Lord, we declare healing. We declare freedom. Lord, we are believing and we are speaking to every sickness in this room that you are going to minister healing life to bodies in this room. Cancer must flee. Bone issues must flee. Joints and ligaments and tendons, the spinal column must come into alignment and agreement with what God has called it to be. Lord, we are declaring freedom over allergies, over all kinds of mental illness and mental distractions. Lord, clarity of mind and wisdom and discernment is in this house today. And, Lord, we declare victory and healing over finances in the house today, Lord. Lord, there are jobs that are going to open up this week in the name of Jesus. We call them in and we speak it into existence, Lord, because you have been working on our behalf. And, Lord, raises, promotions. Lord, you are doing war in the heavenlies for those in this house today, Lord. Lord, you are healing marriages. You are healing relationships between parents and children. And Lord, I pray right now for those that are loved ones that are out and lost in the world. Right now, Lord, you are visiting them. And you are doing a work in their life this morning. Lord, we are declaring and testifying of your goodness and your greatness today, Lord. And we just praise you. And we give you all the glory and the honor and the praise today, Lord. And we thank you in advance for those things that you have done, Lord. We are seeing those things that are not as though they are and speaking life into our families, into our marriages, into our finances, into our lives today. And we just praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And before you go back to your seats this morning... Um, I've been asked to turn the microphone over to Patricia Cox. Pastor Sean asked me to 
before I dismiss um, that she has something that she wants to share with you. But I just want you to know that it has been my honor and privilege today to be able to speak to you. Pastor Pat and I truly love this house. And we love Pastor Sean and Enid. And we are so excited at how God is just transforming and ministering to lives in this church. And how we understand that it is our obligation to take what God has given us and to take it into our communities and our cities and all around. Because it ain't over and God's not done. Thank you for listening. We pray that this word would sit in your spirit and transform you. For more information or to become a covenant partner with Mercy City Ministries and Evangelist Pat Karen Chatsline, you can log on to www.mercyseatministries.com.